0: Are you hurting, broken within Overwhelmed by the way of your sin Jesus is calling How you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling So come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Regrets and mistakes come the day there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling Leave your sorrows and train them for joy from the ashes of new It do The precious blood of Jesus Christ.
1: Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of a praise this morning. Amen. just do me a favor. Just kind of hold your hands up for a second. And just shake it. There you go. Just shake it off. Shake it off. All right. We got, we got pretty heavy there for a minute. We dealt with some stuff that steps on toes. And I know that, but that's right. That's all right. But we can shake it off. I, I apologize to our missionary this morning. I said, I said, Dan, I'm, I'm so sorry that I've got to get up and address what has happened in our nation this week before I turn over the mic to you. And I said, and, and I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to hand you the mic in a, in a heaviness. And I don't want to do that because it's not fair to our missionary. And uh, Dan Lumadu, I've, I've, I've had limited time with him, but in the time that I've spent with him, uh, what a great man. What a, what a great guy. And just... Uh, I've, I've had lunch with him, Pastor Eddie, and, and I had lunch with him uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, this morning in my office, as I was wrestling through my thoughts and I was wrestling through the heaviness of this week, um, he gave me just some amazing wisdom, and it just rolled off of his tongue like he was ready to give it to me, like he had stayed up all night writing it, like I did. You know, and it just rolled off of his tongue, and I thought, This is a man of wisdom. This is a man of God. I'm thankful for us to be able to host him today. He's going to be speaking for the next 30 to 35 minutes. And then after that, church, would you uh, go see him in the lobby and just learn about what he's going to do and and who he is as a person? And then if the Lord lays it on your heart, uh, he is still looking for monthly contributors and monthly sponsors to his ministry. And after speaking with him and seeing his, his mission, uh, if the Lord lays it on your heart, would you go ahead and, and do that and just make a commitment to him today? And uh, we would greatly appreciate that. We have, we have been shifting our mission focus since Jess and I got here. And one of the things I felt the Lord speak directly to my heart about missions for Redemption Point AG is that before we do anything else, we're going to take care of our home people. Right. And our and our home people are our Penn, Florida district missionaries. And some of you know what that means and a lot of you don't. And let me share with you what it means quickly. Uh, it, Dan is is from our home district. Right. We're we're an assembly God church in the Penn, Florida district. And he is from our home district. That means he he comes out of the state of Florida. And uh, and he is our home missionary. So so, uh, I have made a commitment to God that this year we're going to focus on moving in and, and making commitments and taking care of our own home missionaries before we move out of that spectrum. Okay. So so Dan is one of those. So would you please make welcome, uh, missionary Dan Lumadu today?
2: Well, good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor Steve. It's great to be here, and I'm going to rearrange furniture for just a moment, so uh, play your rearranging furniture music, whatever you like there. There we go. Move this over here, and uh, that's because I tend to just walk a little bit, so God bless you. My name, as pastor mentioned, is Dan Lumadu. My wife, Paula, and I are missionaries to Tokyo, Japan. You might say, well, why Tokyo? Well, I'll share a little bit about that. Uh, First of all, I am originally from the state of Ohio. Now you can cheer, you can boo, that makes me a Cleveland Browns fan, Uh, you know, and so uh, you can do whatever you want with that, but uh, don't worry about it because I married a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So we get along 363 days a year. It's really great. It's good marriage, going strong. And uh, I just want to greet my wife. She's watching. She's not here today uh, because this is one of those two days because the Browns and Steelers play tonight. Uh, she's actually with her parents in Springfield, Missouri, and she's watching with us, uh, you dear. And uh, so we appreciate uh, what God's been doing there. And the reason I mention Ohio is to tell you some information. And there th- is there are 11 million people in the state of Ohio. Now, since 2007, we've been here in Florida. As Pastor Steve mentioned, this has been our home district because we came to pasture here in Florida in 2007. And so we've been here and been pastoring, and God's called us to transition back into missions, and I'll share a little bit of that in a moment. But uh, there are 21 million people in the state of Florida. Now, here's the key. If you would add all the numbers of people that are in the state of Florida and all the people in the state of Ohio, it still would not equal the number of people in just one city, and that's Tokyo, Japan. There are over 36 million people that are in the city of Tokyo. It's home to 25% of the population. And here's the more compelling statistic. Only one-third of 1% of those in Japan are followers of Jesus Christ. That means 99.7% have never heard the Gospel. It makes the Japanese the second largest never-reached people's group in the entire world. That means not only do they not know Christ, but most have never had an adequate witness of the gospel message and the hope and the truth that we have in Jesus Christ. And so God's called us to go there, and we know that he's able to do some amazing things. But I want to, first of all, give this to you in a visual. I want you to see Tokyo with physical eyes. If you look at Tokyo with physical eyes, this is what you'd see. You'd see the city. You'd see the lights. That's Tokyo Tower there in the middle. And uh, you'd see the trains and people moving here and there but this morning I want you to look with physical, not with physical eyes alone, but with spiritual eyes. Looking with spiritual eyes, this is what you see. The next slide shows it. Now this is not a blank slide. If you look very closely, there's a little white dot in the middle. Everybody see that little white dot that's there? I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. I actually counted pixels. This is one-third of one percent of the screen space. This represents the spiritual light that is in that vast array of darkness of Buddhism and Shinto and, and uh, animism and even 57% of the population that does not believe and does not have a, a religious affiliation. And uh, right now, I'll just be really honest with you, uh, there are a- around 300,000, a little bit more than that number, of. Or actually it's the 0.3%, we'll just go with that, 0.3%. Uh, that are followers of Christ. 0.2% in the country are Muslim, and there is a mosque that has been built there in Tokyo. And with 57% of the people having no religious affiliation, I believe that we are in a race of time to present the message of Jesus Christ to a nation that is open and ready for spiritual truth that is only found in him. So we're asking you to pray with us and to believe with us, and we know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How do we know that? Well, not only the truth of God's word, but because we were there. I'll show you a picture of our family back in the day. Actually, we're going to go back one more slide. We'll go back one more. We're asking you to pray as you see this symbol. <clears throat> How many know that the Olympics were supposed to happen in 2020? How many know a lot of things were supposed to happen in 2020? Uh, <laughs> So the Olympics got extended to 2021. That means you have a a little bit more time now that we're in this year to be able to see this symbol. And here's what we're asking you to do. As you see this symbol, how many say, when I see that Olympic symbol of the Olympics that are going to be in Tokyo, I will pray for Tokyo, I will pray for Japan, I'll pray for Dan and Paula. If you'll make that commitment to me, would you just raise your hand? And we appreciate that. Thank you for your prayers for that. But again, we know that God's able to do this, and here's how. We were in Japan. We were in Okinawa, Japan, from 1991 to 2002. For 11 years, we served as missionaries with Assemblies of God World Missions. Both of our kids were born there, and here's a picture of our family back in the day in some traditional Japanese garb. Uh, You see our daughter there, Danielle, in the middle, and our son, Christian, on the right. He's holding a sword. We put a sword in his hand at that age. I'm not sure that was a good idea. He still likes swords to this day. But uh, anyway, uh, we we were there serving and watching God work, and uh, uh, those kids have now grown up. And so the next slide shows where they are now. Our daughter Danielle has graduated from Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, our son Christian has graduated from high school. Both those graduations, by the way, were in 2020, so we had two 2020 graduations. And our son Christian is now a freshman at the University of South Florida in Tampa and he has the Bright Future Scholarship and Academic Scholarship and also a four-year Air Force ROTC Scholarship. And so he has been called to serve as active duty in the military in the Air Force and uh, after that to become a missionary. So we call his college plan a missionary budget-friendly plan and we're very thankful for that. Uh, so we, we appreciate all of his hard work, but uh, pray for him as well. But we're, uh, we used to kind of joke and say, parents, you know, here's what's happening as of 20 2020, we're we're having an empty nest. Both of our kids now out of the home. And so do what we're doing. Just move 10,000 miles from home and see if they follow you. Well, I'm thankful that our kids don't follow us. They follow the call of God. Amen. And uh, interestingly, in that call of God, as Danielle was praying early in the, in the college year last year, uh, God began to speak to her and called her to come out to Japan. So she is under separate missions appointment. She's actually going to come out to Japan and join us for a year with what's called a MAPS assignment for 11 months there. And so we're really excited about that. So pray for our kids. We know family is so important, but we're still thankful for God, what God's doing in their lives. So we'll go ahead to the next slide, and I want to show you something there. And this is a picture on the right of Mrs. Yoshida. And let me give you a little background. When we were there in Okinawa, Japan, we went to a church that was serving mostly our US military families and uh, personnel that were there. And uh, we served originally as youth and worship pastors, and then I became the lead pastor of the church. And so it was this ministry to a lot of U.S. military members that were there on the island. It was a wonderful church. And I just want to say that we love our U.S. military. That's going to be a part of our ministry. I'll share more about that. Uh, but we love those who serve and appreciate their service. And so I want to do two things. First of all, uh, Xavier, come on back up here, if you would. Just run on up here. Uh, in the military, you will learn the custom of the challenge coin, and I will greet you with the challenge coin. And I just want to say, God bless you as you serve, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace as you serve our country. Thank you for serving. And so while you're clapping, if you have served in our U.S. military, go ahead and raise your hand, please. If you've served in our military, would you raise your hand? Anyone who served, hold it up there. Would you give them a round of applause? Thank you for your service. Thank you for preserving our freedoms. Thank you for what you've done. And we truly appreciate it. So God bless you for that. And so we love the ministry, we love the military community, but what happens when God opens our eyes and we begin to look around, we realize the need of the Japanese people that were around us that needed Christ. And so we began to do some simultaneous translation. We went to Tokyo, we bought a transmitter unit, we bought some little uh, transistor radios. How many remember the old transistor radio with the speaker? And then we brought some wire headstrap foam headsets there that you used to use with your Walkman, we won't even go there. But anyway, uh, before I date myself too much, um, and so we were doing this, we thought everything was going well until one day one of the Japanese gentleman unplugged his headphones and out of the the speaker of the transistor radio we heard the Japanese baseball playing during church, the baseball game. So so we knew we, we, we super glued the channel of all those radios to the right frequency for our transmitter. That's called leadership and we just took care of that problem there. And so we didn't have that issue. But we saw God begin to move in some incredible ways. One of the women that came in and, and, and we watched her commitment of faith to Christ was Mrs. Yoshida. She's there on the right. And Mrs. Yoshida came in and she she had this relationship with Christ that began. And she went home to her husband and she pointed in her house and she said that, I want this out of our home. And he said, you what? She said, I want this out of her home. He said, you can't remove that from our home. That's been in our family for over 100 years. And she said, I don't care. I'm a follower of Christ now and I can't have that in our home and it has to go. What she was pointing to was something called a Japanese butsudan, which is a wooden cabinet that's in the home that when you open it, it has various slabs or sticks with the names of deceased family members on it, and it becomes a prayer point. Then they pray to the spirits of those ancestors, and she knew that that was incompatible with her now faith in Christ. And so as she made that point and she pointed it out, he said, well, I'll tell you what, if you find a way to preserve the names of those family members, we can get rid of it. And so, uh, understanding that, she got a big family Bible, and she wrote the names of all those family members in that family Bible, and he said, okay, and we brought that wooden boots onto the church, and we tried to burn it. Now, I say tried to burn it, because how many know the works of the enemy are not easily destroyed? But how many also know you can do great things for the kingdom of God with some liquid accelerant? And so we saw God uh, take care of that problem. We burned that boots on. But here's the greater miracle. A few months later, Mr. Yoshida came in during Christmas time, and I had the privilege in the back of our sanctuary of leading him in prayer and faith to Jesus Christ. And it was a glorious moment. The family united. Their daughter gave her heart to the Lord as well, and we just rejoiced in what God is doing. This is actually a a shot from a video clip that Mrs. Yoshida sent, knowing we're coming back to Japan, a different part of it, but just excited that we're coming back to that nation. And so uh, we're grateful. But here's what was cool during that time. As we were ministering, one. One of the dynamics that we notice is that Japanese people would walk in and they would walk into a sanctuary where you could sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit is the greatest agent for evangelism in the world today? The Holy Spirit is calling. The Holy Spirit is convicting. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit works through you. And right now, you sense the Holy Spirit coming into this room in a manifest way. And when the Japanese people would sense that, what they would do is they would stop. And they would say, Ikimochi this This feels good. What is this? And we would say, what you're feeling is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit inviting you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And time and time again, church, we saw people come to faith on their first visit to the church because they could sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. One of those times was when my daughter, I was doing her, de- her dedication. Uh, she was born there doing her baby dedication. The sermon had nothing to do with salvation. It was just about family and commitment to the Lord. At the end of that, this woman came up, and she was just weeping, and another Japanese woman came up and ministered to her right there. She gave her heart to Jesus Christ because she said she felt something she'd never felt before in her life. I was sitting in my office one day, and there was a knock on the door. I walked out of the office, and it was kind of would have been over here re- relative to the sanctuary. walked into the sanctuary, and there was one of our staff members with a Japanese woman, and she was standing there, and she took us back outside, and she pointed up to the cross that was on the outside of the building. And she, she asked this question. She said, what is that? And her next question, or her next statement was amazing. Not only did she not know what the cross was, she said, it drew me in here. You see, she'd been walking along the street, and to get there, she had to walk up a driveway, up a hill, turn up another way, come up another hill to come in a building of people she didn't know to find out about something she didn't understand. And as she asked the question, we were able there to tell her about the cross and about Jesus, and she gave her heart to the Lord right there in the parking lot. I want to tell you, church, in this day, I know that there's chaos all around us, but there is a king who sits on the throne. There is a spirit of God that is moving, and you as an agent of the Holy Spirit go out with his power and presence in you. You have the power to change the world around you because of the spirit of God that lives within you, and so we want to encourage each and every person to understand that. Well, God was moving and working. We saw God do some great things, but I want to tell you another story. It goes back to 1907. How many of you were alive in 1907? Anybody alive in 1907? Okay, good. Uh, Just checking, but there was a woman by the name of Lydia Lindsay who went to the Sendai region of Japan. And as she went there, she began to go to serve and work in a place called Miyagi Girls School. We have a picture of Miyagi Girls School there. It's not Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off. This is just happens to have the same name there. And she was working and serving there at first as an English teacher, later became the head of the English department in a school that was giving an education to young Japanese women and girls who were not elevated in that society at that time. They didn't get an education, they weren't elevated and respected in the same way, and so they were doing that and teaching them art and music and literature and giving them an education, but they were also sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was established as an evangelical university. Uh, Interestingly enough today, that is now a university that is in that region and it still has that mission of declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, So, so pray for that as well. But she began to serve and to work there until something called World War II came along. When World War II happened, Lydia Lindsay was on the last ship that left Japan before Pearl Harbor was bombed. After World War II, Lydia Lindsay went back into Japan. She went back to that place that was war-torn. The school had had some damage there. She began to help and rebuild. And here's what that tells us, church. Lydia Lindsay went back as someone who was a part of one nation who had literally been at war with another nation. There was a divide there. How many know there are divides and, and walls in our country today? The pastor talked about that today. But Jesus is the one that breaks down those barriers. Jesus is the one that overcomes those. And the love of Christ compelled Lydia to go past that wall into a nation with which we had just been at war. The love of Christ will compel you to go to those that you might think in the natural you can't go to. But God is the one who overcomes those barriers. And Lydia Lindsay went in there and she began to minister and serve again. In 1951, she was given one of the highest awards given to by the emperor of Japan, she held court with the empress of Japan. Now, why do I tell you that story? To tell you this one. How many remember in 2011, there was a 9.0 earthquake that hit off the coast of Sendai, Japan. There were waves that were 30 feet high. Pastor, do you happen to know the height of your center of your sanctuary off, offhand? 30 feet. Imagine waves that are higher than this peak of the ceiling that washed six miles inland and killed 20,000 people. 10,800 were from that Sendai region of Japan where Lydia Lindsay had served. We were now pastoring in the States. We were here in Florida. As we began to watch this, our hearts were grieved, and we began to pray for for Japan, for the people, for for God to just work in that situation. As we did so, I was able to lay my hands on this trunk that I'll show you and lay my hands on this trunk as a prayer point because this is a trunk that Lydia Lindsay took with her all those years ago and then brought back. The reason I was able to lay my hands on this trunk is because this trunk sat in our dining room, and the reason it sat in our dining room is because Lydia Lindsay is my wife Paula's great-great-aunt. And for four generations, there has been someone in her family who have gone as missionaries to Japan. We believe that now is a time of harvest. The seeds have been planted, they have been watered, it has been sown, it is time for reaping, it is time for harvest, and we're asking you to believe with us for what God is going to do in Japan. Now, how are we going to see this take place? Well, I've been asked to serve as the lead pastor of Yokota International Christian Assembly that's in the western part of the greater Tokyo area, and we'll have three major areas of focus. Uh, Number one, it's up on the screen, we'll have uh, a Yokota Air Base, our U.S. military base that's across the street, so we'll continue ministry to our military members and families who come 10,000 miles from home and need a family. And in that family connection, they find the power of the love of Christ that compels them. Uh, We have many that we knew in Okinawa who are now serving the Lord in ministry, serving the Lord in their churches. It's amazing to see what God does over the years of military ministry. But they also create a presence. We tell people that when God, if you're a believer and God's brought you to to Japan, it's because God sent you here and the government has paid for it so that you can be a light and a witness here. And then we watch God work in the international community. And this is what's cool is those people that come from various places around uh, Japan and they come from uh, countries that are all around there and come to Tokyo. Uh, As we see Christ working in their lives, when they go back to those countries or they go back and share the gospel with family and friends, they're oftentimes doing so in countries that we call closed or sensitive countries that we can't get missionaries to, but they're able to go back to. And, of course, the Japanese. As the second largest never-reached people's group, we want to see God work. And God's given us a vision for not only pastoring those who are there and ministering and seeing more saved, but also establishing training and seeing God raise up young Japanese leaders who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and know how to move and work in the the power of God Uh, spirit to be able to touch their nation that so desperately needs Christ so we're asking to pray with us Now, Pastor, thank you for so kindly uh, mentioning that if you want to support us monthly, there's a way to do that. You can find out this information, sign up for our newsletter, see what's going on at GoJapan.ag. Nobody can spell Lumadu, so we just went with GoJapan.ag. It's a lot easier. So go to GoJapan.ag and you can find out all that information and sign up. There's also information on how you can become a monthly partner with us, and we so appreciate your pastor opening that door and allowing me to share that with you. So thank you for doing that. But most of all, we ask you to pray with us. The next slide shows us this, and that is that We believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. This is a spiritual battle. We're calling you to rise up as spiritual warriors, to pray, to believe, and to stand with us for what God wants to do in this nation. And we believe God will do it according to His might and power. Amen? So give God praise and glory for all that He's going to do. And we thank Him for His goodness and His grace and the joy of being able to serve and the uh, of being able to watch what God does. Now, this morning, your pastor's also given me the privilege of being able to share the Word of God with you, so I'd like you to take your Bibles, if you would, please. Uh, I open this as a reminder to myself. How many are at the age where you leave breadcrumbs for yourself, so you remember things? Okay, I'm doing that now, so here you go. Don't forget to get a prayer card on your way out the door. They're at my table back there, and you can pick those up and uh, be able to. But take your Bibles, if you would, please, if you have your Bible this morning, and uh, turn, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 41. So Luke two 41, we're going to begin there. We're going to read the lengthy passage there through 52, uh, and so I'll just read this quickly. I'll, I'll go kind of quickly so that we can catch it and go into the main parts of it. So it says here in Luke chapter 2, Verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem, Jesus' parents, every year at the festival of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan. Everybody say caravan. And went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. In the Greek, it just creates this this sense of being about themselves, just distraught. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my fathers. I'm not going to read the word house for a reason I'll explain there to in just a moment. But did you know that I had to be in my fathers? But they did not understand the statement which he had made unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for all that's taken place in this service today. It's uh, It's been wonderful to be in your presence, to worship together, to hear Uh, the address of the concerns of the day and giving them to you and laying them at your feet. It's been wonderful, Lord, to be able to see how you're working in people's lives and calling them to serve and calling them to do what you've set before them. It's wonderful, Lord, to see all these things, and now we look into your word, and we ask that your spirit would teach us, your spirit would feed to us. We don't just want information, we want an impartation of what you desire to bring to us today, and we ask for an anointing on your word, that I, as your servant, would speak only what you want me to speak, and that we would hear what the spirit would say to the church. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace, for your word, and your power. May you do something in our lives today to shift us, to move us, to transform us as you impart to us your word and your spirit and your truth, and we thank you in Jesus' name this name, Amen. I was driving across the country last week. Uh, I was in Springfield, Missouri, for uh, some time with family. What a wonderful time it was. Got in the car, began to drive, drove on Tuesday, stayed overnight with a friend, uh, got up on Wednesday, began to drive, and as I was driving, my wife called me and said, "Have you seen the news?" And uh, pastors talked about what went on on Wednesday. Well, not really. Don't know what's going on. When I got to my destination, ironically, near Atlanta, which a lot of things were going on there, um, I got to my destination, stayed with a friend, and this friend began to share and very much is passionate about the things that are going on and talked. And so when, when, when he was, you know, when, I, when we uh, had a wonderful time of fellowship with them, they were from our days back in Okinawa as well. But when I went to the bedroom and when I went to go to bed at night, I could not sleep. I was just in my spirit there was something that was just turning about the events of the day and I don't feel like I always need to comment on everything that happens in our, our, our world and spectrum but there was something significant about what was going on and I just began to pray and as I began to pray the Holy Spirit dropped one simple phrase into my spirit and that was this I must be about my father's business and I began to pray over that. And I don't know about you, but the way that God leads me is sometimes He'll drop a phrase or a word in my spirit, and I'll go to the Word, and I'll begin to read. And as I read the Word of God, the Spirit begins to speak to me and begins to give that. And so what I want to share with you this morning is a word that grew out of that, that time with the Lord just just Wednesday. And so this is what I believe God is saying to us today and this morning specifically. I want you to know that I stand before you sharing with you what God spoke to me in hopes that it will somehow help us to be able to see what God is saying to the church today. As I looked at that, I knew that phrase, I must be about my father's business. And I knew because how many of you were raised King James? So you know a little bit of scripture in the King James, and memorize that. It just stuck out as familiar. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of New King James because it reflects that reading. But I also wanted to dig in a little bit deeper. So I looked at Luke 2.49 and began to read in the New King James. It says, he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? The passage we just read, Jesus is there in the temple. They come looking anxiously for him. He's not in the caravan. And he says, I have to be about my father's business. But digging a little deeper, we find this in the Jewish New Testament translation. It says, he said to them, why did you have to look for me? Didn't you know that I had to be concerning myself with my father's affairs? That's a little different from being in the house there that's now concerned about the affairs. But Young's Literal Translation, which I believe we have up there. I'm, I'm Pastor, I'm just going to side comment here. I'm blown away that you've got Young's Literal Translation ready at the ready. That's pretty awesome. So anyway, so, so Young's Literal Translation says this. Now, it's a rough read, but it's a literal translation. It says, he said to them, why is it that ye were seeking me? Did ye not know that in the things of my father it behoveth me to be? Okay. Now, this is probably the best translation, and this is the word that I want to center on that the Lord's given us. If I were to put my own translation on this, it would look something like this. Jesus responded to them, Why were you searching in all these other places? Did you not know that it is incumbent upon me to be occupied with all the things of my Father? If, if you were... We in this world today are searching in so many places, but Jesus is calling His church to say, we must be about the Father's business. We have to be all about all that is the Father's. We must be wrapped up, not just drawn to, but occupied with, burdened with. The language in the Greeks puts a sense of binding together with the work and the affairs of the Father who is at work in the world today by the power of His Spirit. And church, I want to tell you today that Jesus is calling all of us to come to this point. And as I read this and as I prayed about this and I sought this and the Lord spoke to me about this, I must be about my father's business. Now, when I say that phrase this morning, I want you to know it means all that I just gave in that translation. It means not just the business of the father, but being about loving the father and being in his presence and and being about his affairs and concerns in this world and being about what he calls us to do. I must be about my father's business. Now, Jesus was three things that I'm going to give you, first of all. Jesus was unmoved by the agenda of others. Jesus was unmoved by the agenda of others. And let me just say this as a preface. There are a lot of agendas that are battling for your attention right now, especially if you get on social media. Now, I'm going to say this. This is my personal view. I'm going to yield to Pastor. He's the authority over this house. He can correct me if he wants to, but this is my personal view. My vote is an act of stewardship. Just like God gives me tithe, talent, time, treasury, He gives me these things to be able to to share my testimony as well. I am called to steward those, and I don't want to take that and just bury it in the ground. I want to use it for God's glory and purposes. My vote is something that I steward. When it comes time to vote, as a pastor, I share with my congregation, this is the principles, these are the values, much like your pastor did today, and we steward that vote and we cast it. And we have a privilege there, not just a right, but a privilege of being able to do so in this country. However, there are some that are called specifically to serve in the civic affairs of our nation. Notice I didn't say politics. Politics happen in any human organization, in business, in church, in all sorts of things. Politics go on. But but in in the civic affairs of our nation or city or local councils or or governances, God may call you to step in there. If He does, let your character always shine more brightly let your character be that that honors Jesus. Let your character be that which glorifies God. God may call you to be a participant in some of the political processes. And maybe you're behind the scene. May your words always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, and reflecting the glory and the grace of God. But church, I want to tell you that the enemy is doing something to distract the church today because if we are not called to those areas, we're getting too wrapped up about things that are not the Father's business, and it's time to get back to the Father's business. We should be concerned. We should be aware. We should work. But let us be about the Father's father's business and learn from Jesus today that he was unmoved by the agenda of others. He was not bound by their expectations. How many know that family can have expectations on you? Now, we've just come out of the holidays, right? Anyone have family that's kind of interesting? You've got that uncle that you're not going to name, but you're going to throw an elbow right now because you all know what you're talking about in the same row because it's the same family and you know who it is or your aunt or where. Are you that person? I'm going to just ask you, do you need to repent? Because there are two types of people in this world. The type of people that bless somebody when they walk in a room and the type of the people that bless somebody when they walk out of a room. Okay, so so you got to figure it out which one you are. But we have family and they have expectations and they have demands. And if we're not careful, we can become to succumb to those. And I want to tell you that in Japan, that's a major battle. The expectations of family keep people from following Jesus And oftentimes there are consequences where they're rejected if they choose to do so. But Jesus wasn't bound by these customs. He was not willing to to come and to do and to go, just go follow through the motions of religious activity. There was a higher purpose in the experience when Jesus went to the temple there. He was not bound to their caravan. Everyone say caravan. Now, I want to tell you this morning, others want you to stay in their caravan. Your friends want you to stay in their caravan. All right? Now, I'm not talking about caravan. I have a Dodge caravan. I'm not talking about a van. You're not trying to squeeze everybody in, you know, 25 college students in a Volkswagen. But anyway, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the mind, the ideological processes, the philosophy, the values, the ideas, the practices, the things we do. Everybody wants you in their caravan because when you, especially as a confessing Christian, jump into their caravan and do what they do and say what they say and and echo the world around us, you give credence to their values that do not align with the Word of God, and so they're desperately going to try to get you into their caravan, but church, I want to tell you, there are times like Jesus, we got to say, I'm not riding in that caravan today. I am not going to be a part of this caravan today. God has a higher purpose and a higher call for my life. Your family may want you to stay in the caravan. Your co-workers may want you to stay in the caravan. The world wants you to stay in that caravan, but sometimes you've got to look and say and open the door and say, I must be about my Father's business today. I'm not riding in your caravan I've got kingdom business to attend to now Jesus secondly was unintimidated by the opinions of others not only was Jesus unmoved by the agenda of others he was unintimidated by the opinions of others we can marvel at the boldness of Jesus but let's not ignore the methods that show the wisdom of Jesus in the situation First of all, we can look at this and see that, number one, he was there in the temple when they found him. He was listening, he was asking questions, and they marveled at his answers that he gave. What can we learn about how we interact with other people? Can I implore you to use this as you interact, even in the current events of the day-to-day, as we interact with the world around us, God's called us to be about the Father's business and to interact with people in these same three ways. Number one, he listened to learn. He listened to learn. One of my little tests, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, makes me warped, whatever. I'm I'm an introvert by personality, by nature. But one of my little tests is if I spend a half an hour talking to somebody and they never ask me one question about me, I probably will not be good friends with that person. Because they spend a half an hour talking about them. Okay? Don't be that person. When we are in a situation with others, and they might might even have competing opinions, ask questions. And do you know the greatest disarming tool in conversation when somebody is emotionally out of control is to ask them a question? I won't bore you with the details of emotional intelligence, and that was part of a study I did. Anyway. So here's what you do. When somebody is emotionally expressing, you ask them a question, because in asking a question, it forces them to go into a cognitive understanding, and they have to begin to process intellectually, and they can't just emote. Asking questions also helps us to learn information, because quite frankly, we don't know everything. I know I don't know everything. Look at your neighbor and say, do you know everything? Some of you are smiling, because you think that person thinks that they do, but you know that they don't, but sometimes they think that you know that they don't. Anyway, so, don't? No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do it. So anyway, so, so here's the reality. The way we learn is by asking questions, and Jesus demonstrated this. Church, let's be a church that goes out to be a witness for Jesus Christ by first asking questions, not giving answers. Ask someone, what do you believe God's doing in your life? What do you believe? What what do you see as your greatest need right now? You can ask questions, and the Holy Spirit will give you those questions as well as answers. Number two, he asked questions to engage discussion. So not only did he listen to them, but secondly, as I just mentioned, he asked those questions, and that was to engage the discussion and begin that dialogue that was there. And thirdly, he expressed understanding of his answers. He then was able to enter into that conversation, and he was given something to say, and he said it, and they were amazed at his answers. I want you to look at the person next to you and and tell them this. You can say it to each other. You have amazing answers. Say it again. You have amazing answers. And here's why. Look at them and say, because the Holy Spirit lives in you. You see, when we're in a situation and God's leading us to reach somebody for Christ, we need an answer. We're not going to think of it. We can't rehearse it. But the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in that moment if you were saying, God, I must be about my Father's business, and you've got a purpose for me being here. And so Jesus, number three, was undeterred in the mission of the Father. He was undeterred in the mission of the Father. I have a mission. I like that Young's literal version. Why is it that you're seeking me? Did he not know that in the things of my Father it behooveth me to be? The mission was clear. Well, it was clear to Jesus, but not to his family. The mission was clear, but but Jesus knew what that mission was. Church, I want to tell you, the mission for the church today is clear. God's mission for your life today must be clear. In a few moments, I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we we close. And not not yet. Don't come yet. I'm not closing yet. Don't get excited. Lunch is still a little bit. Anyway, so, so your mission has to be clear. You have to walk out of those doors today going, I know what the Father's business is in my life. I know what I'm called to do. I've got a picture in my head of family and of friends and of neighbors and of co-workers, of people that need Jesus, and they are my mission. I know that there's a community that we're in right now, and I'm going to walk out of these doors with a very clear understanding that as a church, individually as as a believer and as a church collectively, we have a mission to reach this community, to reach a lost world, and I walk out of those doors knowing my mission is clear. Jesus had a very clear vision of that. Secondly, the mission was compelling. He didn't conform to the expectations or the opinions or the agenda of others. He knew the mission was a higher call, and that compelling mission triumphed over everything else. It was a priority in his life. And thirdly, the mission was continuing. And here's how that mission was continuing. Understand, all this was going on when Jesus was 12 years old. What were you doing at 12 years old? At 12 years old, Jesus has such a clear, compelling vision of this mission that he is there and he's doing all of this. And Jesus continues in that mission because I love Luke 2.52. I actually pray this over my children. Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God spiritually, in favor with man socially. He increased in, in the understanding that God gave him. He increased in the favor and the view that others had of him, he increased in his spiritual walk with God. He experienced in social skills and development to be able to work and interact with others to accomplish the mission of God. Jesus had to grow in those. And so we look at this, and I want to look at three things that will help you accomplish your mission. And you can write these down. If you, if you write these down, that'd be wonderful. Number one, he continued in submission to those in authority. He continued in submission to those in authority. Now, he, he said to his parents, Why were you wondering? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? But when they said, come, let's go, okay. And it says, says literally in Scripture, he submitted to them and went, and off they went. And so God places you in places where you will have spiritual authority in your life. And, and maybe your pastor won't say it but I will over this house God has put him in authority and he's put the leadership of this church in authority and when you begin to move and the pastor says let's move this direction and a church gets behind and says yes we will it doesn't matter personal preferences and I think we should do this that you pray we come to unity and God will use a unified church that understands how to come under the authority and the direction of the leadership that is there so long as that leadership is moving according to God's word and purpose to accomplish the kingdom of God in this earth today there's no limit to the power of this church. There's no limit to the reach of this church. There's no limit to the authority of God in this house. There's no limit to the anointing of God around these altars. And in this place, when the church rises up and says, yes, we will go as God leads us to go, as those he has set before us lead us as well. And Jesus understood that at 12 years of age. Number two, he continued in growth in wisdom, maturity, spiritual growth, and social growth. In other words, he recognized he didn't know it all, and he continued to grow and learn. Put yourself in the mode of being a lifelong learner. You always have something to learn. There's always a way to grow. I won't spend a lot of time on that. Number three, he continued in focus on the calling to be compelled to be about the things of the Father. Don't Get distracted by the things of this world. Keep your call. I know that we have short attention spans. That we can, you know, my my family jokes with me. Oh, squirrel! You know, some of you know where that's from. All right, so so that's me. I'm like, "Boop, here. Whoa, hey. But it's important in the kingdom of God to keep our focus on the mission that God puts before us. I will tell you, church, my eyes, my heart, my spirit, my mind is set on Tokyo. I love you all, but I want to be in Tokyo. I enjoy our nation. I'm thankful for our nation, but I want to be in Tokyo. Why? That's the mission that God's put before me, and I'm ready to go and ready to see God move in powerful ways to redeem people who don't even know there's a Savior whose name is Jesus, and yet when they know and they see and they understand, God's power will be released in that situation. There was a woman, a young woman by the name of Itsuko, who was there in the church in Okinawa. And she continued to come and to grow, and uh, later after we left, she got married to a, a believer, and uh, he's from Korea. His name's Kim, and Kim and Itzko are wonderful people, and, and they're continuing to live there, but they have been called to, as as, as those who have been given a gift of evangelism, they are currently in the uh, Japan School of Ministry, they're learning, they're growing, so that they can fulfill a call that God has in their lives. Yes, it was exciting for me to see Itsko, you know, in her faith when we were there with her, but church, it's more exciting to see the culmination of years of saying, I will grow, I will learn, I will keep my eyes on the call that God has before me. And as we all do that, something powerful happens. Now fast forward. That's great to be able to look at this, but, but we talk about Jesus at 12 years of age, but if we continue the trajectory and we follow the rocket from launch to the upper atmosphere, take a look at the life of, uh, a life that's committed to the mission of the Father that we see in Jesus, and you see these common hallmarks again. Now around 30 years of age, as Jesus goes, and He's journeying with the disciples, and I'm going to paraphrase the story, but I ask you to write down this Scripture passage. John chapter 4, verses 3 through 38. I'm not going to read the whole story, but John chapter 4, verses 3 through 38. We're told that Jesus leaves Judea, they're going through Galilee, they come to a well. Some of you know the story, as they come to the well, Jesus sits there, and the disciples say, hey, we're hungry, we're heading to town. Jesus knows, no, I need to be here, and there's a woman that's coming there to get water, and this woman at the well is there, and they begin to talk and dialogue, and they talk about which is greater, that of our fathers, talking about the Samaritans, or that of your fathers, the Jews, should we worship this way, should we worship that way, should we sing hymns, should we sing choruses, should we worship on this mountain, should we go to this? that mountain? Should we stand? Should we sit? Should we? And so they began to have all these conversations about which mountain rooted in the tension that was there between the Jews and the Samaritans. And, and as Jesus began to talk to a a woman in a day when he shouldn't be talking to a woman in the, in the stature, he had his rabbi. Number two, as he was talking to a Samaritan, which he should not have been doing since he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan, and the cultural tensions were there, Jesus began to talk to her and tell her about her life. And basically, Jesus read her mail. Told her all about her life. Where's your husband? Oh, well, let me tell you about your life. And Jesus just lays out, how did you know that? I perceive that you're a prophet. One of the greatest quotes from that passage. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. No kidding. Okay, so, so, so what happens when you begin to speak with the authority of the Holy Spirit, people will say there's something different in this conversation. I perceive that there's something about this. And so as he did that, he began to share and began to talk to her, and the disciples come back, and she's talking, and he's talking, they're like, hey, uh, weren't you hungry? And he makes this interesting, compelling statement in verse 34. I'm going to start with verse 33. Uh, Actually, I'm going to go back to verse 31. Sorry, guys, back there. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And I love the reaction of the disciples. Always in the natural. Jesus had to shift their thinking from the natural to the spiritual. It took three years. Anyway, so he's <laughs> I'm just picturing Jesus with like hot pockets tucked in the robe or something. I have food to eat. you nothing. Would you like a hot pocket? You know, anyway, so just the brain, it, it, I see things in pictures. Anyway, so, so, so they say, he says, I have things to eat that you don't know about. And they said, well, we're saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat. Did he? somebody else bring him some food? And Jesus says in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was clear about the mission. I am to be about my father's concerns. Jesus was concerned about the motive. I do all of this because it is my food. It is my life. It is my sustenance. I do the will of the father or I die. And maybe dying is the will of the father. But I will die physically before I die spiritually. The will of the Father is what is most important, but it's also the very motive and my reason for being. My reason for doing all that I do. Church, I want to tell you today, I want in my life to emulate the mission of Jesus and the motive of Jesus. My heart's desire is when all this is going on, all the chaos, everything going around, to say, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to be about the Father's business. And the reason I want to do that is because it's life to my soul, it's breath to my lungs, it's hope to my heart, it's food to my spirit, it is nourishment to my soul to be able to do the work of the Father each and every Every day is not just left to a a certain few who might stand up on a platform or those who hold some title or position. Every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ can say, my meat, my sustenance, my very food is to do the will of the Father. And when we can say that something powerful happens, you see, once again, Jesus, we're seeing the repeating theme, was unmoved by the agenda of others. Their caravan went to McDonald's, but he stayed by the well because that's where the opportunity was for the father's business. He wasn't carried by the caravan. He knew where he needed to be for the opportunity set before him. And you and I will have opportunities to sow and reap in these fields of harvest all around us if we do not become distracted by the things of the world. Again, Jesus was unintimidated by the opinions of others. This woman had some questions on worship like many in the church today might have, but Jesus is not intimidated by her assumptions or questions or opinions. His conversation led to a dramatic transformation, not only in her life, but we read... In the lives of many Samaritans, as she went and told, and they told others, and she lived out the gospel message before the evangelists who were sitting there who had gone to food lived out the gospel message. Think about that for a moment. The first evangelists to reach a community were not the 12 disciples. They were still focused on running to McDonald's. The first evangelist was a woman at a well who went back to the Samaritans and said, there's a man here that's told me everything about my life, and you need to hear him. And they came and they knew Jesus because he had impacted her life and she was willing to simply open her mouth and tell others about the glory of God. As long as we keep our eyes and our heart and our mind and our will focused on the mission, the business of the Father, he will work. So what's the business of the Father to which he has called you? Where are the fields in which he's placed you? While the geography may change, the calling is consistent. And then thirdly, Jesus was undeterred in the mission of the Father. We can easily be pulled into the customs of others. We, We can jump onto their caravan. We can be caught up in the things of this day. The chaos in the world may erupt around us, but the enemy wants to do three things. Number one, the enemy wants to keep us, individually and as a church, distracted. This is our daily private battle, the battle against distraction. To keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, is our primary focus, and yet we can become so easily distracted, and that personal private battle to not become distracted in our priorities and our focus is one that every one of us face every day that we wake up. I don't know about you, but things can distract us. That phone call, that message, the life gets going, business, you step into work, things distract us before you know it's been a day, two, three, and you haven't read your Bible, and you haven't spent time with the Lord, and you've, you know, you've, you've, you've gotten frustrated, and all these things that go on, and then you say, why? Why? Because we've gotten distracted as a church, we talk about this. Churches talk about how should we do this? What method should we do here? Church, we must keep our eyes on Jesus because the distraction will keep us from the mission. Secondly, the enemy wants to keep us divided. This is our daily personal battle. One is our private battle of distraction, but the divisiveness is our personal battle as we relate to one another. Pastors said it so very well, the different reflections of where we may be politically, the different reflections of where, what sports teams you might like. You say, well, that's different. No, it's not. They're important. As a Browns fan in the playoffs for the first time in 18 years, I'm going to tell you, there are some important, th- no. So, so <laughs> no, I don't want to make light of it. These things are important, but let me tell you, it should never divide us should never divide us. It should never divide us. The day you walk out of a church because someone doesn't share your political opinion is the day you have become distracted and divided and the enemy has scored a victory. The day you look at someone else in your church differently because they see things differently from the way you do is the day division has snuck into the camp as a tool of the enemy. A church united, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, we must be united. Thirdly, the enemy wants to keep us dumb. Not stupid. Don't throw any elbows. I'm not talking about any people here, okay? He wants to keep us dumb as in mute, not speaking. I believe I believe this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up here before I make this third final point here. If the worship team would come up, I have a request for you guys. If you would Start to play just the chords for set a fire down in my soul, but don't sing the words yet for that, please. That'd be awesome. But I have a personal belief, and it's this. You see, I I came into Pentecost when I was in junior high school. I was a shy, quiet kid. I'd been saved at five years of age. It's a longer story. But at 16, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I was called into ministry. A couple years before that, I'd walked into this Assembly of God church where they were praying in the Spirit and singing in the Spirit and speaking in tongues. I'm like, what in the world is this crazy stuff going on here? But see, I was raised in in a church faith and tradition that valued the Scripture, and I looked at the Scripture, and lo and behold, in the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians and throughout Scripture are all these different ways the Holy Spirit moves and works. One of those ways is he speaks prophetically, and I've got a whole sermon on this, so I'm not going to unpack it all, but let me just say this. God wants to use you to speak to your community and those in your circle of influence prophetically, not with your own human wisdom, not with your own thoughts and emotions, not parroting the reflections of someone else, but God wants to drop something into your spirit that someone else needs to hear. You see, we practice this in our worship. The enemy has caused us as a church to become silent in our worship, and we'll stand and we'll observe. And, and I was so blessed this morning. I don't wanna be critical of others, but I wanna commend you because in this church, I look around and one of my my observations is that I go into a church and if that church is just simply standing there and people are observers rather than participants in a time of worship, then I know there's a step that has to he- happen because it's not just a, a concert that, that we're playing before God what it is is the interaction of the Holy Spirit among each worshiper and worshippers together and he's knitting us together and working and this is why the fellowship of the saints is so important this is why the enemy has used COVID to bring division and to cause a weakening of the church because we need to gather now I don't say that to condemn anyone at home if that's where you feel you need to be then trust the Lord there's no condemnation or judgment I'm just saying let's remember that when we have the privilege of gathering there's something dynamic happening in the fellowship and the worship together and as we begin to open up our mouths and praise and worship together, that song rises as an incense before the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes in, begins to move and work. We also practice this in our prayers out loud. How many have ever prayed a prayer to yourself and it sounded good, but then you started praying out loud, Lord, I just pray, and as you pray, God, just put a new car in my driveway. You think, that that is the dumbest thing I ever prayed. Now, sometimes it's not. Maybe you need a new car, but now maybe you're saying, Lord, make, make it a new Jaguar convertible sporty, you know, it's just, now, that's, that sounds selfish. It does. See, when you say it out loud, it goes through your ears, and your spirit is able to process that, and whether it aligns with the truth of God's Word or not. So when you pray out loud and you worship out loud, you are training yourself to be able to be aligned with the things of the Spirit of God. So when you go to speak to somebody and you say something out loud, it hits you and it hits them, and you both know that's a God moment, and Jesus just showed up and the Holy Spirit spoke through you. That's why the church must be prophetic today. And I don't mean by prophetic. You're saying, Lord, give me a word that I can go tell somebody. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord God in heaven. Thus saith unto you, thou, thou, thou art. No, no, just speak it. Just say it. It doesn't need qualifiers if it's from God. Amen. And when you just say it and the Holy Spirit's in it, they're going to hear it. I'm believing with you for transformation in this community but I'm going to believe it because your church goes out into those streets and in your daily day walk and whether it's in the grocery store you're just there. How many know that in the grocery store you can be agenda minded? I just want to get my eggs and my milk and my stuff and my bread and get out of there and I'm, I'm in a hurry. I got things to do. I'm running errands and there's some lady in front of me in the checkout. She's taking forever and she's talking about her day and I don't want to, I don't care about your day today. I got a day too and I got things to do, lady. Just get a move on. And oh, now your card's not working. Great. Okay, we'll wait for your manager oh super let's call a man why don't we get the whole store over here and see what we can get going on and all of a sudden you strike up a conversation because you're trying to be nice I'm sorry ma'am you're having all these troubles and how's your day going oh your dog died and you're sick and you got this going on and everything else going on and the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you you're like no 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 no, no 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 I got things to do today no and and yep okay and the Holy Spirit puts a word in your spirit that you just speak to this woman and you see her face change. You see her heart lift. And you go, God, it must be about my father's business. And right now in my soul, what I feel is the meat, the sustenance of doing the will of the father in this moment, not to pat myself on the back, but to say, thank you, Lord, that you used me in this moment. That's what we're called to do, church because the the enemy wants to make you dumb, silent. But God wants to open up your voice. So I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Just work with me, if you would, please. First of all, I'm going to ask them to play this. Just raise the volume, but don't start singing the words. Church, stand with me, if you would, please. We're going to do a couple things. Number one, I want you to lift your hands. I do not want you to clap. I don't have time to explain all that, but right now in this moment, don't clap. But don't sing the words to this song. But right now, just begin to praise the Lord. If you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. If you if you worship, worship. Just begin to praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Out loud with your lips. Let it come out. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I glorify you.
3: Hallelujah, Lord. If you want to sing a new song to the Lord, you are worthy.
2: morning, I'm going to ask you if you're comfortable, and I understand people have different values right now with regard to distancing, and I want to respect that, but if you feel comfortable stepping out and coming to this altar, I'm going to ask the pastors of the church to come and and stand behind you. Let's not do face-to-face if you're not comfortable with that, but if you say, I have become distracted, I have gotten in other people's caravans, I just lost focus, but today I want to say yes. Yes. I must be about my father's business. I'm going to take an active step to say, yes, I'm going to go out from these doors and be about my father's business. If that's you, just step forward, if you would, please, around this altar. and Say, Lord, I lay down every other caravan. I'm getting out of some caravans. I'm laying down other priorities. I'm laying down other focal points. I'm laying it down, Jesus. I'm saying, Lord, I must be, I must be, I must be about the things of my Father, about loving my Father and worshiping my Father and serving my Father and declaring the glory of my God. I must be about my Father's business. I have a mission. God has given me a mission as an individual. He's called us as a church. I have a mission and I will complete it with the power of God to work through me. And then if you are here and you have been motivated in life for other reasons and by other things and you want to realign the motivation of your life to save my meat, My sustenance is to do the will of the Father. Would you step out from where you are? Maybe if you're not comfortable up here with people, just step aside. Make some movement. Move to it. Just say, this is me stepping into the will of my Father to accomplish His purpose in my life today. Lord, I want your purpose. I want you to work. Set a fire down in my soul. I love you, Lord.
3: I want to worship and serve you evermore. I need
2: of response, I'm going to ask that we sing this song. Set a fire in my soul. Set a fire in my soul, Lord. Set a fire in my
0: soul Set in that my soul, I can't contain, Lord. that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of
2: of that I feel like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said there are some in this room that are having a really hard time getting out of someone else's caravan you have a tie, you have a connection to other people and it's not a good one God wants to break that I'm staying with friends as friends were sharing with me about what God did in their life a number of years ago broke three addictions in a brief amount of time that's the power of God It may be addiction, it may just be bad relationships, it may be something else. But I'm going to ask for a bold step. If that's you, would you come and stand right in front of me? Just come and stand right here. If you know you're in somebody else's caravan and you need to get out, there's too much influence there. I'm going to ask a female pastor or pastor's wife to come up and pray. Someone else, yes, come. Anyone else, come up here. It's broken, it's broken in Jesus' name right now hallelujah pastor's going to anoint you with oil we're going to believe for god to move and work
3: that I
0: can't control and I want more